Father, we just pause once again to thank you. And uh, Lord, I'm just so encouraged today as I look around this room and I see many different individuals that I know are facing many different challenges and circumstances and trials. And yet, Lord, it encourages my heart to see them exuding praise and adoration to a good and gracious God in the midst of whatever they're facing. And Lord, I thank you for what the body of Christ does for us. I thank you that it, 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 it boasts in the truth that Jesus is our head and that we are not alone, but we've been joined together. And Lord, I thank you for just the rich truths that have been communicated to us over the last year or so as we've looked at the book of Ephesians. And God, I thank you personally for the way that your word has transformed my own heart and transformed my own life and challenged me. And Lord, I pray that it would only continue to fan the flame and stoke the fire of this church. Lord, I pray that these deep truths and and the wealth that we have in Christ and the walk that we are called to in order to walk worthy and the warfare that's happening that's already won in the heavenly places. Lord, I pray that we would continually grasp through the power of your spirit the profound truth that is found in the book of Ephesians and that it would continue to transform us by the renewing of our mind by the shaping of our souls. God, I pray that we would truly be all that you have called us to be, all that you have already said that we are in Jesus Christ. And we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for breathing out your word for us. Lord, we love you. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. So open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to focus on Paul's kind of final greeting today in verses 21 through 24. But today's a milestone for the church. It's a milestone for me as a lead pastor. I couldn't be more thankful that in a year of transition, I don't know when you came along the way, but we had a transition of leadership and I stepped into a lead pastor role. And I was thankful to be in the book of Acts largely in that first year because it just gave us as a church a great foundation for the New Testament and where the church came from. But I could not be more thankful to have spent a majority of my first year in the book of Ephesians, and it's made it my first book ever, preaching verse by verse through an entire book in the New Testament. And uh, and few things have humbled me more than the verse by verse study of this great book as we've opened it every single week together. And I calculated this week that we spent 31 Sundays, this is message 32, I think, in the, the six chapters of the book of Ephesians. While I would be tempted to maybe pat myself or pat ourselves on the back for that, I went to some preachers of old, some, some great expositors of old to see how much they took to preach through the book of Ephesians. John Calvin, he preached 48 sermons through the book of Ephesians. So I thought that, well, you know, 31, 48, that's pretty good. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a great preacher, exegetical preacher, he preached 232 sermons in the great book of Ephesians. And I think that that is just magnificent. And I, I, you can go and find some of those sermons, all of those sermons, I believe. And he would take three weeks on one verse or one word. And it was just incredible at, 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 at how much doctrine and theological truth you can pull out of the Bible. But one of the things that I heard throughout this series was, man, I don't know how you get so much out of a, a few sentences or so much out of a couple verses. And my response is always, I know, isn't it awesome? 
<laughs> and if I'm being honest, usually where my week starts is how am I ever going to say enough about that one sentence or that one verse. But the exegetical preaching of God's word has always and continues to boast in the sufficiency of scripture for all things. The Bible has all that we need for life and for godliness. Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. He said, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Are there those of you here who feel a little incomplete? Some of you would say, if you're honest, you'd say, man, I could use some equipping. The word of God wants to complete you. The word of God wants to equip you, and it might need to correct you. It might need to train you. It might need to rebuke you from time to time. But anything that you're lacking, any area in your life, any foothold that the devil might have or that you're giving into sin, you need to submit yourself to the word of God. A quote that I love by Thomas Goodwin, he says this, it's not the letter of the word that ordinarily converts, but the spiritual meaning of it as revealed and expounded. When the juice of a medicinal herb is once strained out and applied, then it heals. And so it is the spiritual meaning of the word let into the heart, which converts it and turns it to God. So this incredible letter has been so foundational in my own discipleship and in my own worship of Jesus. Let me just give you a few things. It has given me a greater understanding of the saving love from our triune God. It has given me a deeper love for the bride of Christ and the unity that is possible in Christ. It has convicted me to strive for holiness and righteousness in every area of my life. It has exhorted corrected and encouraged my marriage, my parenting, and my relationships to be led by Christ. It has made me more aware of the spiritual battle and caused me to cling more tightly to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, including Christ's armor of invincibility. And it has deeply challenged me to be a man of prayer for further understanding and for the fulfillment of the mission Christ has called me Two, and that mission, of course, this is spread the fame and the name of Jesus in the already but not yet as we await our heavenly home. So I'm thankful for the word of God that is the sword of the spirit. If you're with me, say amen. amen. You're with me. So the big idea I want to go after today in these last final verses is this. Enduring faithfulness encourages the body that every battle belongs to the Lord until the end. Enduring faithfulness encourages the body that every battle belongs to the Lord until the end. You're going to need to endure. You're going to need to take up the shield of faith. You're going to need to be joined to the body of Christ. But all of that proclaims that the battle belongs to the Lord and we will one day be with him. I want you to get your eyes on a copy of Ephesians 6. And we'll read from God's word, verses 21 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul closes with, So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Now I want to give you three points. I'm going to aim to preach a little shorter today because I want to end with prayer as a church, praying the book of Ephesians like Paul has modeled for us. And I want to end praising God to the praise of his glorious grace as we've seen modeled also. But three points. Number one is this. Sharing our battles with the body of Christ is a source of encouragement. Sharing our battles with the body of Christ, everyone's going through battles, sharing them in the body of Christ is a source of encouragement. You look at verse 21 in the text, Paul writes, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Now some have said that Paul is too harsh or maybe Paul is all truth and and no grace, but I think all through scripture we see glimpses of Paul the shepherd that lets us into his compassionate heart for the body. Paul had many friends in Ephesus. Remember, he spent three years doing faithful ministry in the city of Ephesus, and he was teaching in the school of Tyrannus night and day and seeing disciples grow up into Christ. And then in Acts chapter 20, we see him leave behind uh, a bunch of faithful elders and their families who are going to care for the flock in Ephesus, and he even tearfully leaves knowing that he may never see them again. But even as Paul had important teaching and truth to communicate through this letter to his friends, he didn't want them worrying about him or anxious for him. So not only was Paul concerned with communicating his prayers and the truth, and remember last week he he asked that they would pray for him to have more words for sharing boldly the mysteries of the gospel, but he was also a human going through real human problems and he wanted to communicate to his friends exactly how he was and what he was going through. And that's an encouragement to me because often I would maybe take my problems, take my circumstances, take my trials and internalize them and not want to, to, to let other people into my life, not want to get vulnerable, not want to get transparent and not let you help me and me help you. And I was thinking about it this week, a natural bent that we as humans will need to fight against is becoming so internal with the realities that we are facing that we neglect to allow others into our world. I've preached hard that Paul's greatest concern, even while in prison, was the advancement of the gospel. And while that is true, it's encouraging to me to see that Paul was a real person who fostered real friendships for his own encouragement and for life in the body of Christ. Paul wasn't so focused on the mission. He was focused on the mission, but he knew he had to do it in community. And so he knew that he had to let people into his world. He's he's practicing what he's preaching, the unity of the body. Uh, When your leg isn't working, it communicates to your head that something's off. That's how it should be in the body of Christ. We are all part of the body. We each bring a different member and we need to communicate to one another the realities of what's going on in order for us to encourage one another in the faith, spur one another on, move one another forward in holiness. So I was a helpful phrase that my wife and I often use when we're not thinking correctly in our battles. Sometimes you can go through circumstances or battles and you start to feel... I call it stinking thinking. You're like uh, thinking the wrong thoughts, thinking all kinds of things. We say to each other often, we remind each other, remember, distance creates distortion. 
Distance creates distortion. If you don't have proximity to other believers in your life, then it is a scheme of the devil to make you feel alone in your battles. It is a scheme of the devil for you to feel like you have no people in your corner or on your side, but often we stay stuck here because we simply don't communicate how we are and what we are doing like Paul does in his final greeting. So I mentioned this last week, but thank you to those who, who put in the prayer requests and, uh, some things that you're praying for. I mentioned that some of you have never done that. And this week we got a flood of prayer requests and a flood of praise reports. And I'll tell you what, some of you communicated very hard things that you are walking through. Some of you are going through a lot of trials. And I was on like three different text threads this week of pastors and elders saying, hey, let's make sure we contact this person. Let's make sure this person doesn't fall through the cracks. Hey, let's go after this person. Let's pray for these people. And so that's a testimony that your leadership cares for you and is praying for you. But thank you for letting us into your world a little bit. That's very important. And if we don't, you could come and go week after week in this really big church and never let anybody into your world. But your faith is not going to endure in isolation. You communicating your needs, your prayer requests, and your hardships is one way to fight the distortion created by distance from fellow believers. The proximity to other believers and what we are facing will be an encouragement to us, and it allows us to be an encouragement to others. So you say, how can my battle be an encouragement to other people? Let me give you an example. I went to the hospital this week, got to go see a, a dear brother uh, who's been a member at this church for a long time, who's in a hard place in the hospital. He's been battling cancer for several years, and then this hospital time has has some heart problems that have him in there and and there's I was listening to the doctor rattle off some challenges for his rehab that's going to take place and as the doctor left I said hey how you doing what are you doing and he began to share with me through tears I said how's your family and through tears he exuded compassion and 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 even some worry and anxiety for his family as as he's walking through this and he's thankful for different people who have been in his life but even in the midst of his battle and his pain, the, the, the struggle that he's going through, the thing that he's wrestled with for a long time, he said this to me. He said, you know, out of all the things God could have allowed me to go through, God could have picked anything. God could have picked any challenge for me to go through on this earth, and he picked this one, and I've wrestled with it for a long time, but I trust God, so I know I'm going to be okay. I'll tell you what, man, that encouraged me so much in the middle of his pain, in the middle of his trial and his suffering and his hurt and his circumstances and even his tears. He was having a trust in the almighty God that God was going to get him where he needed to go. And he was, he was believing that. And even as the doctors were in there, he's saying, I believe in a sovereign God. I trust the providence of God. And so he's shining a light in the midst of his pain. So just put it in context of Ephesians for a minute. Imagine reading Paul's letter and then hearing where he was and how he was doing. Uh, you would think, how on earth could somebody who's in prison write such a long letter communicating such rich and worshipful truth? Communicate that instead of his circumstances, instead of his problems, instead of his pain. And it's because when we are being filled with the Spirit of God, every battle and every trial takes a backseat to the advancement of Christ and Him crucified. Paul's endurance and willingness to rejoice rather than grumble 
must have been such an encouragement to these believers who were following Christ in a dark city. He wasn't grumbling and complaining about the circumstance, but he wasn't hiding it from them. He was letting them into his real world and still showing that he cared about the advancement of the fame in the name of Jesus. That's how it should be in the body of Christ. It made me think of of Paul, what he writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul writes this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. I was like, I don't need anything. Not that I'm in jail, sure. (laughs) And then he says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so sure, Paul's going to let you into his reality. Sure, Paul's going to tell you that he's in prison. Sure, he's going to let you know what he's doing and how he's doing. And he's going to be vulnerable and transparent and real about it. But he's learned that his contentment is in Jesus Christ alone. And he was going to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he'll say rejoice because he can advance the good news of Jesus on this earth. Amen? Now point number two is this. Faithful service regardless of accolades advances the mission in the spiritual war. Faithful service, regardless of accolades, regardless of your position in life, your place in life, faithful service, regardless of accolades, advances the mission in a spiritual war. Now, how Paul was going to inform his friends even has wonderful significance, and it comes through one of the Bible's unsung heroes named Tychicus. Look at verse 21 and 22. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So first off, imagine if our friend Tychicus hadn't done his job. Imagine if he hadn't delivered uh, the letter to the Ephesians. He may have been the first minister to ever expound the words from Ephesians. The first guy to ever take out the letter, read the letter to the church, uh, tell everybody what Paul meant by the letter or give some of his thoughts to the letter. I think that's beautiful. And, and Paul, he gets a lot of credit for, for writing the letter and being the apostle under the inspiration of the Spirit. But Tychicus took these God-breathed words to the church And Tychicus is responsible for the faithful delivery of Ephesians. And because of his faithfulness, we are studying this letter here today. And so Tychicus should be an inspiration to all of us that faithful service, regardless of the accolades and the credit, advances the mission in a spiritual war. Paul was the writer and Tychicus was the mailman. Paul was the planter and Tychicus was the messenger. Paul was an apostle and Tychicus was a faithful friend and a follower of Christ. But get this, Paul was a servant of Jesus and Tychicus was a servant of Jesus. They both stood shoulder to shoulder in the kingdom of God. Both accepted their God-given ministries and roles and both served the Lord with gladness, whether known by many or known by a few. And, and that is a testimony to me. That should be a testimony to you. Who God made you to be and where God has you in life is able to make much of Jesus and advance the gospel. You don't need a bigger platform. 
You don't need a platform at all. You don't need a different job or a more important job or a different title. You need to ask for what Paul asked for, that you would be given more words to open your mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel that have put you in Jesus Christ. And then you need to faithfully be who God created you to be. You know, I, as, as, a, as a pastor here at this church, there's so many of you who are fired up about the Lord. And when, when the fan is getting flamed, when your faith is getting stoked, I often talk to people and, and sometimes in younger believers who are, are getting fired up about the Lord and wanting to do something for the Lord, they start to think, I got to do something worth, worth it in this life. Like I, I'm not going to advance the kingdom selling insurance. I'm not going to advance the kingdom working at a steel mill. I'm not going to advance the kingdom working at a car dealership. And so they start to think, I got I to gotta get on mission. I got to go do something. Maybe I should go to seminary. Maybe I should go plant a church. Maybe I should go over here. And listen, God may call you to missions in a hard place. I would love that. God may call you to seminary or to be a church planter. But often, God plants us right in the world where he has us. And often, God has placed you in the, the job that you have, the school that you go to, the neighborhood that you live in so that you can be a light and shine bright for the glory of Jesus so that you can proclaim the name of Jesus among everyone that you come up against. You don't need a different title in life. You can advance the kingdom regardless of accolades. Uh, Tychicus is a great example that he served Jesus. He served his guts out without anybody. And maybe it was behind the scenes very often. And I'll tell you what, so much, so much of this church is ran and operated by people that you never see, people that you never hear from, people who serve their guts out. The guy standing out on the parking lot in the pouring down rain. Why is he doing that? Because he loves Jesus. He loves the house of the Lord and he wants to welcome you. And so don't always think that you have to be in a better place or be more known in order to advance the kingdom of God, do it right where God has placed you, regardless of the accolades, and you can give glory to Christ. But the second thing that's encouraging to me about Tychicus is um, that he was an encourager. Do, do, do any of you have natural encouragers in your life? I got some natural encouragers in my life. Look at verse 22. He says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So to a degree, all of us should aim to be encouragers. First Thessalonians, Paul writes that we should encourage one another, build one another up. Ephesians 4.29, walking in a manner worthy, told us that we should use words to not tear people down, but to build people up. So all of us should be encouraging one another in the body of Christ. But some of you are, are natural encouragers. Some of you, that is like your gift. And, and I want you to hear that you are a gift to the body. You are a gift to the people that you encourage. You are a gift to those who are serving the Lord or those who are, are in different places in life. You have a gift like Tychicus and you are able to help encourage the body. Uh, I have a couple people like this in my life. One gentleman has not failed to, to text me 
every single Sunday morning, could be between 4 a.m. and 9 a.m. And he texts me every single Sunday morning, a, a long prayer of how he's praying for me specifically. And it's genuine and it's not like a copy and paste thing. And it's always like the perfect prayer at the perfect time, the perfect compliment at the perfect time, uh, the perfect uh, prayer or comment when life seems hardest. And it's like this dude, who I don't even know that well, and I don't spend a lot of time with, and he lives in a different city, is just locked in on me for some reason. Praise the Lord for a Tychicus in my life. Praise the Lord for somebody who cares to pray for me. Hopefully you have people like that, and you can find people like that in the body of Christ. But Tychicus was able to deliver hard news to beloved friends, but not wallow in it. Rather, he communicated Paul's hard circumstances through the lens of the gospel and its advancement even from prison. And I, I so admire people like that. I admire people who can like run into the storm and say the hard truths with a smile and then come out the other end, best friends. Do you know people like that? Like I have, I, I have historically avoided conflict. Um, I love the people who are like, I'll take that. And then they go into the hard thing and then they come out and everybody's best friends and they're smiling and you're like, whoa, I need a guy like that in my life. <laughs> but he Hebrews chapter 10 says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Leave it up for a moment. So the day approaching we're a city longing for a better city. We're going to get to heaven one day. Everything's going to be perfect and great. But in the meantime, don't neglect meeting together. So if you're never coming to church, if you're never coming to the body of Christ, if you're never, never gathering in a smaller gathering where you can be known, it's going to be really hard to be encouraged by one another in the body of Christ. And so our gatherings our small groups, our classes, our studies, our groups, all of that is helping us know one another, experience one another, share our circumstances, and ultimately we get to encourage one another in the faith. We're spurring one another on toward love and good works as we await Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, to come again. Now, the last point that I want to give to you this morning is this. Every battle will be won through the incorruptible love in Christ Jesus. Every battle will be won. It's already been won in Jesus Christ, but as we've said all along in the already but not yet, you wake up every day and you're like, why do I feel like I'm failing? Why do I feel like I'm not chosen and holy and blameless? Because you're still fighting the old flesh and you gotta fight to put off the old and put on the new and the body of Christ helps us do that. But every battle will be won through the incorruptible love in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 23 and 24. Paul writes, Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul started the letter of Ephesians proclaiming grace and peace to the faithful saints in Christ, and he ends proclaiming grace and peace to the faithful saints in Christ. What two things could give you more hope today than the fact that you have grace with God and peace with God? Our world is longing for peace and our minds race to get peace, but the Bible proclaims that in Christ we have a peace that surpasses understanding. 
Literally, we've learned that we can lace up peace on our feet through the gospel every single day. And so if you're preaching the gospel to yourself, you don't have to stay in anxiety. You don't have to stay in depression. You don't have to stay worried about tomorrow, but you can take every step on the peace that comes from an almighty God who's on his throne, who's ruling and reigning, and who has everything that you need for life and for godliness. Not only that, but the world religions spend themselves on working their way to their God. Many of us have probably felt like we've committed way too many sins for God to ever love us, for God to ever forgive us, and that's where often we stay. But the Bible declares that you are saved by grace, and this is not of your own doing. It is just a simple gift of God. He has bestowed it upon you. His grace is the unmerited favor of God, and it's been bestowed upon you if you are a child of God, and nothing can separate you from this love. So Paul's closing statements are proof that the hardest trials, the earthly suffering, the sickness, the battles, the imprisonment, and even death itself will be unable to keep us from being united together in Christ. We are one body. We are one family. We are one bride. And we are anxiously awaiting our bridegroom to come and to take us home, to establish his holy cosmic temple where he will be the head and we will worship him forever in his grace. If Ephesians has taught us anything, it's taught us that we all started in the same position. You did not come into this world alive. You did not come into this world in right standing with God. Ephesians chapter 2, right? It said that you are dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. You are by nature sons and daughters of disobedience. And this is the position that we're in. We're not breathing life. We're not worshiping Jesus. We didn't come into this world believing in God. You need to make a decision to follow Christ. And that only comes by the Spirit. And that only comes through the preaching of the Word of God as the Spirit illuminates the Word of God to our hearts. But in that dead position, the Bible has proclaimed, Ephesians chapter 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, and because of the great love with which he loved us, he made us alive in Christ Jesus and it's by grace that you can be saved. And you might be saying this morning, how do I get saved? The Bible's been proclaiming it just as the people in Ephesus. We saw God's choosing and Jesus' redeeming and the Spirit's sealing, but these were of the people who believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Corinthians that if you believe on the Lord and you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's putting your hope and your faith in nothing that you can do, but only in the work of Jesus Christ that justifies and sanctifies and will one day glorify us to the praise of his glorious grace. Paul began adoring God in worship as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he closes this great letter adoring the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul began the letter by exclaiming that we are chosen by God before the foundation of the world, that we are adopted as beloved sons and daughters, that we're redeemed and forgiven by the blood of Jesus. He's given us spiritual wisdom and insight through love that's been lavished upon us. We were sealed for eternity by the Spirit of God, who is our guarantee of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And because we are rich in Christ, 
Paul magnified the praise of the glorious grace of God, and he ends proclaiming that this love of Jesus is incorruptible for those who are in Christ. You might feel like you've corrupted your relationship with God. You might feel like you've corrupted the faith that God has given to you. You might feel like you are are too corruptible for God to love you, but those who God has placed in Christ, he has forgiven all your iniquities. He's forgiven all your sins. And the love that you can have for him today as you love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's incorruptible in Jesus. No matter what you've done, it takes help on our heart. We gotta renew our minds every day. We gotta be faithful to confess our sins to him who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But God loved you before you loved him so that one day you could love him to the praise of his glorious grace. Oh, that we would live in the knowledge of the incorruptible love of Christ. And oh, that we would spur one another on to love one another as Christ has loved us. Amen. Would you just lift up a shout of praise to a good and gracious God for the gift that he has breathed out to us. And I want to invite the worship team. I want to invite a couple elders up for a moment. And um, I thought it was the only appropriate way to close our 32 weeks in the book of Ephesians was to model exactly what Paul did. It's one thing for you to know these truths. It's one thing for you to to have memorized the book of Ephesians or for you to have knowledge in your head. It's another thing for the Spirit to apply it to your life, to apply it to your heart. And so Paul, he, master theologian, master of great truths, and yet when he got to the end of Ephesians 1, he bows his knee and prays that they would get it praise that they would have understanding. When he gets to the end of chapter two and chapter three about unity in the body, he prays and he bows his knee before the Father and he prays that they would get it and that they would see it. And I just want you to know, we don't want to just talk about the Bible. We don't just want to preach the Bible. Your elders and your leadership want you to believe the Bible. They want you to be transformed by the truths of God. And it only comes from the power of the Spirit. And we have access to him through prayer. So we're going to close in a time of prayer and a time of worship to the praise of his glorious grace. I'll invite you to get on any, in any posture of prayer that you want. You can get on your knees, you can come to the altar, you can stand, you can sit, but let's just spend a few moments praying the book of Ephesians over our church and over our lives. Let's pray together. Father, it seems only appropriate um, to bow uh, on our knees, to proclaim with our physical body, Lord, what we recognize in our hearts and that you are King and that you are Lord. And Father, we humbly bow before you as we pray this morning. Lord, I think the only right response to what we've learned in your word in Ephesians is one of gratefulness and one of thankfulness. Lord, as we learn and recognize how wicked and how far we are from being in right relationship to you. And Lord, a heart response of of thankfulness, recognizing that you adopted us as your own and that, Father, you predestined us before the beginning of time to be drawn to you. Lord, those things are sometimes too hard for us to even recognize or wrestle with in our mind, but Lord, we trust in you. And Father, we know that your perfect will is being played out through each and every one of us. 
Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that it's through the redemption of your blood that we're able to stand right before you. The gift of sending your son, Jesus, to a cross that he might shed his blood so that we can stand right and righteous and holy before you. That's right. Father, we thank you that when you look upon us, you see the blood of Christ. Yes. That you see who we are in him. Yes. Despite our wickedness and despite our sinful efforts to please you. Hmm. Father, I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit who has sealed us in Christ. Lord, I thank you that there is nothing that Satan can do. There is nothing that the world can do to remove us from your grip. That's right. Father, I thank you for that. Lord, we recognize that we once walked in wickedness, but you in your mercy and your grace called us out of darkness yes. into marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you that it's by grace that we've been saved and that it's not of ourselves but it's a gift from you Lord we thank you that it's not of our own works so that we can't boast but Father all we can do is boast in you and your work Lord we pray that as a church we would remember our standing in Christ I pray Father that we would remember that you are holy and set apart, that we wouldn't be too soon to forget the atoning work of the cross. Father, we thank you that you've revealed it to us. We thank you that you have illuminated through your Holy Spirit the truth of your word. And Father, I can't help but pray that if, if there's any here, Lord, who whose eyes need to be open and the scales removed and in their heart warmed to you, Father, would you draw them near to you? Yes. Father, would you use your word to pierce their heart so that they might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and his atoning work? And so now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, yes. according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father God, what grace and blessings you have lavished on us. Yes. God, thank you for the wealth that you've given us in your son. And um, God, because of that, we want help to walk worthy of the wealth in Christ that we've been given. God, help us walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Help us to walk with humility, not pride. Help us to walk in gentleness towards one another. Help us to walk in patience towards one another, not impatience, not anger. God, help us to walk bearing with one another in love. God, help us, help us to walk in in unity. God, 
at this church, in this local body, I pray that you would build us up into the body of Christ. Yes. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. God, we the way that we're built up in unity is by seeing and savoring the Son. Mm. God, would you would you more and more let us see and savor and know you more through your Son and what He's done for us? And then, God, would you help us walk differently? As verse 17 says, help us not walk as the Gentiles do. Not, help us not walk like we used to live. Yes. But, Father, help us put off that old self. Yes. And put on the new self. And help us put off lying and falsehood and help us put on truth. Help us put off anger and put on love. Help us put off laziness and put on stewardship. Help us put off corrupting, poisonous talk. And help us put on speech that builds up, that gives grace to those who hear. God, help us put off bitterness and wrath and anger clamor and slander and all malice and instead father help us put on kindness towards one another mm. tender heartedness help us put on forgiven forgiveness of one another because lord what great sins you have forgiven us mm. so help us do it towards one another god help us walk in love help us put off all sexual immorality, all impurity, all covetousness. Father, help us put on purity. Then, Father, help us walk wisely, making the best use of the time. Fill us with your spirit, Father. Help us put this new way to walk into practice in our relationships, God. Help us be good husbands to our wives and and good wives to our husbands. Father, I know there are some here that are struggling in marriage relationships, and God, I just want to pray. I want to pray for many to come around them. I want to pray for deep conviction, and I want to pray for restoration, Father. God, help us as we parent our children. Help our children obey their parents. Uh, Help us in our workplace, Father. And finally, Lord, um, I just want to ask that you would please help us stand firm together. God, all this, everything from the first three chapters of Ephesians is is our wealth in Christ. And God, I... I just see it all borne out here uh, in the armor that you've given us. Father, you've given us your armor, and it is all wealth in Christ. And so, Father, I pray as a church, as a local body, that you would bring us together in unity 
as we see brothers and sisters who are hurting, as we see brothers and sisters who are tempted, Father, we would gather around one another and remind each other that we have been given your armor. We can help one another put on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness. For those that are believing lies, that we would remind them of truth and that you have clothed them with your righteousness. God, help us gather around one another with the shield of faith. Get in the tortoise formation for those that are hurting, who need comforted. We can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And Father, for those who are just being tempted with assaults uh, of the mind, God, would you, would you help us put on the helmet of salvation for one another? And the Father, I pray that we would just take up your word and take up praying in the Spirit at all times, God, that we might fight for one another, we might fend off the devil, and Lord, that you would make us strong in perseverance. Grace be, to, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ yes. with love incorruptible. Yes. Amen, Father.